biggest piece of medicine they need. Medicine Remix. Good old Doc's over there at Med Remix, the best station on Anchor. You guys are doing amazingly and you do some of the best stuff out there. And, uh, well, no, you know what? The best stuff out there, frankly. There's no one else really doing what you guys are doing in general on the internet. Shout out to the Medicine Remix. Shout out to uh, Medicine Remix who put me onto Anchor. Hi, this is my first call and I wanted to say how much I love Medicine Remix. I love all the music you guys select and sample and how you keep medicine interesting. You know, I really just want to show my gratitude for what you put out on the Medicine Remix show. Because every time that I listen to it, I just get so impressed. I really appreciate you guys putting me in your uh, little intro. That is awesome. I am very appreciative of that because uh, you are my favorite anchor station. Thanks a lot, guys. Love your channel. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm loving it. And uh, yeah, just really appreciate the content. What else can I say? What's really eel anchor veal? It's Reesh. It's medicine remixed, and it's Truesday. Day. So hope y'all are living true to your damn selves today and every day for that matter. And uh, big ups again to all the people that called in yesterday. The homie Leo, Josh, and our homegirl from way back, Tesse, the black TCK from Art Speaks Radio. Much love for the kind words and insights as usual. And by the way, Dr. Rama was so pumped when I played Tessay's call in saying that we need more of her on the station so definitely stay tuned for a brand new Women's Health Wednesday tomorrow with Dr. Rama on our Wonder Woman segment but uh, today we're gonna have a little grab bag of an episode for you everything from mental health to men's health and we're gonna kick it off with our second episode of Doctionary which for those who missed last week's inaugural episode it's kind of like WebMD meets Urban Dictionary going to be uh, a now weekly dose of the dopest way we can think of to teach you all the language of medicine and our goal is to deconstruct the language of medicine that we like to call medicalese one word at a time and uh, my cousin big h has been taking the lead on developing this segment for us he wrote both last week's segment and today's segment and i think his big sexy voice will actually make its anchor debut on next week's Doctionary episode. So big ups to Big H for rocking these short Doctionary episodes for us. Super excited to hear from you guys and yells as always. So call in and let us know if you have any suggestions for medical words you'd like for us to break down in this way. And of course, anything at all in general that you would like for us to cover on the Medicine Remix show. Uh, the Doctionary word this week, by the way, is trichotillomania. So stay tuned for that. Hope y'all learn something from us today and every day. We are in the coveted learn something category on Anchor, after all, alongside some of the most badass nerds in the audio game right now. Much love for your support. You're listening to Medicine Remixed only on Anchor. Support for today's Medicine Remix show is brought to you by Instant Success. Just add blood, sweat, and tears. Instant Success. Your better tomorrow starts today. Side effects may include not feeling sorry for yourself, putting in work, and severe gratitude. Ask your doctor if instant success is right for you. Excuses sold separately. Blood, sweat, and tears not included. Speaking of blood, sweat, and tears, back to the realness of remixing medicine only on Medicine Remixed.
I got the medicine. Boy debunk. It's your boy Reese. You're listening to Medicine Remix. Medicine Remix. On no other place but here on Anchor. This week's doctionary word is trichotillomania. Trichotillomania has seven syllables, 16 letters, and it's got nothing to do with dinosaurs. It's actually a mental impulse control disorder, and it affects approximately 1-2% to of the population. Trichotillomania means pulling out one's hair compulsively. It's derived from Greek roots, trico meaning hair, tillo meaning to pull out, and mania meaning excessive excitement and obsession. In trichotillomania, affected people pull out their own hair. It most often involves scalp hair. However, patients may also pull from the brows, lashes, facial, and even pubic hair. Patients report feeling tension immediately before the behavior, followed by relief or even pleasure afterwards. The behavior and cosmetic effects of ripping out hair lead to significant distress and impairment in daily functioning. Trichotillomania is pretty serious. It can impact people's social lives and job opportunities like promotions, their intimacy with a partner, their physical health and appearance in the form of scars, infections, and permanent bald areas. It can lead to people disguising their compulsion by wearing wigs. It's much more common in girls, often during childhood or adolescence, and frequently during a stressful event. Trichotillomania tends to exist in conjunction with other psychiatric diagnoses like obsessive compulsive disorder, mood disorders, and borderline personality disorder. Treatments include cognitive behavioral therapy, aka talk therapy, and medications like SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, which are the class of antidepressant drugs that include medications like Prozac. Thanks for listening to this week's Doctionary. Let us know what you thought and tune in next week for another episode. You're listening to Medicine Remixed only on Anchor. I was hanging on my nephew the other day. I was teaching him some life lessons and then right in the middle of my big speech, he goes, Uncle Joe, why are your teeth all yellow? I was like, I think it's because Santa Claus isn't real. That's probably the main. <laughs> then we both had a good cry. That felt good. <laughs> it's traumatic being a, I'm still a tra- tra- traumatized from, I'm traumatized right now. I'm, uh, I'm still traumatized when I was a child. When I was seven years old, this is a true story. I had my tonsils taken out. And when I woke up from my tonsil surgery, I was missing my two front teeth. They just took my teeth. I had them before. Didn't have them after. Nobody told me. Nobody asked me. I didn't sign anything. They just took my teeth. The doctors were like, they were a little loose. They were going to come out anyways, so we just took them out for you. And I was like, I've never heard of that policy in my entire life. Why don't you take my heart? That's got to go bad at some point. Just pull that right out of there. I don't buy it. I feel like they were bored at the end of their shift. And they're like, how funny it would be if you took this kid's teeth out of his head right now. And the other doctor's like, what are you, crazy? It's tonsil surgery. He's like, who cares? He's seven. He's a little bitch. Take his teeth. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, I twisted you. I was, I was crying and spitting. And I told my mother, I was like, they took my teeth. And she was like, well, you're going to get a visit from the tooth fairy. And I was like, how about a visit from a lawyer? How about that? <laughs> they took my adenoids as well. I don't even know what an adenoid is. And I never will because they were stolen from me when I was seven years old. They ransacked my entire face. <laughs> then years later, a few years ago, I'd have a appendic- 
surgery, I had appendicitis. So I went and uh, they knocked you out for that. First of all, there's a test to find out if you have appendicitis. It'll hurt in your upper vagina area. <laughs> and there's a test, that could be anything. What you do is you push in, it'll hurt, and then when you release, it hurts twice as much. <laughs> Everybody laugh, it's a real thing, you can Google it. It's called rebound tenderness. You can check it out. So I did it and I had it. So I went to the hospital and I told the nurse, there was a guy, I said, sir, I have appendicitis. I did the finger push test. And then he pushed in on my appendix, and I was like, what are you doing? And he was like, I'm testing you for appendicitis. And I was like, you should test your hearing, because I just told you I administered this test already. I have it. You don't need special male nurse fingers for this. And then he let go, and I was like, ow! And he was like, that's appendicitis. And I was like, that's what I told you one moment ago, sir. And he was like, you need surgery. And I was like, that's what I'm doing here at the surgery store. Why I moseyed on down to the surgery establishment. Then I waited for the surgeon to come out. She was a woman, she was really nice at first. She was like, do you have any questions about the surgery? And I was like, as a matter of fact, I do. Will you be removing any of my teeth during the surgery? And then she said, why would we remove your teeth? And I was like, yeah, why would you remove my teeth? That's what I'm asking you, lady. And then she said, no, we're not gonna remove your teeth. And then this bitch, she pushed in on my appendix. I was like, you're gonna hold that in until I'm unconscious? And she was like, no. And then she was like, ow! And she was like, that's appendicitis. And I was like, I'm on the operating table. I don't know why. You could have saved me four hours by taking my word for it. And they knocked me out. I woke up from the surgery. Of course, I checked for all my teeth. I wanted to make sure. I don't trust him. I had all my teeth, successful surgery. Then I went to the bathroom to urinate and discovered that they shaved my pubic hair. <laughs> they just always take a little extra. I was like, is this a hospital or a frat house? I checked in the mirror to make sure they didn't draw any dicks on my face. It didn't even occur to me when they're like, do you have any questions about the surgery? You're like, what about my pubic hair? Will you be shaving my pubic hair? I think that's how I took my teeth when I was seven. I had no pubic hair to offer them at that point. <laughs> like, this kid's clean as a whistle. He must have shaved before he got here. Take his teeth as a penalty. At least with teeth, as a tooth fairy. You get a few bucks, but there's no pubic hair fairy that I'm aware of. <laughs> what was your most uncomfortable moment with yourself in a room, the patient in the room, and the attending? And the attending, for those of you who don't know, is basically the boss. So he's the senior. The doctor that's done with his training. Right. He's done with... He's the trainer now. Yeah, he's the trainer. And, uh... That's basically who you answer to. So anytime as, as med students, interns, residents, you have to answer to this person. 
So everybody's kind of on eggshells when this person comes around. A bunch of ass kissers if you have ass kissers on your team. A bunch of people who hate them if you have haters on your team. Um, but you have to answer to them. So when they come in the room, everybody's trying to be on their A game. Right. So you don't want shit to go bad because you don't want to look like an ass. Plus the patient's there. So yeah. you're going to have to be dealing with the patient so you don't want to have them lose you know, their respect for you. So again, the question is your, your most uncomfortable moment. Oh my God. I, I can't believe I just have to choose one. Do, we'll have to do <laughs> So many again. uncomfortable yeah. moments. Which one Which one jumps out at you? Hmm. One of the ones, I don't know if this one was the most, but this one was actually one of the most awkward moments after I figured out like what actually happened. So I guess that'll make more sense after I tell the story. So I was um, in this class called Introduction to Clinical Medicine. We we all went to this nursing home. It was like me and like four other students that would go to this nursing home once a week. It was like a geriatrics rotation. You you went and you examined the, the older population. Right. This was probably like two, three weeks into it. And we go into this patient's room and it was this like 90-something-year-old lady. She was demented as all hell, but didn't really know that until kind of halfway into the experience so you guys are you go into her room yeah and it's you the attending we're, we're, we're supposed to be practicing how to do a history so and there's physical a lot event. of people in there yeah there's like there's like me the, the four students the patient and um so and we're attending. about six total and there's an, a little old lady in the room who for the first half of this she has no idea you guys are even in the room she's just demented she has, she's out there yeah but uh, she's still like kind of with it like you know in in spurts she was telling us uh, her story or whatever then we were like going around the room like you know introducing ourselves as, as the medical students mm-hmm. whatever to bring the picture into your mind it was like me who's a brown guy and like four white people this lady was white and this will be relevant in a second and we're going around the room and i'm the last one in line the old lady goes oh what's your name first one was a girl ashley and um i'm one of the medical students nice to meet you and she'd be like oh that's so nice the second one the same thing and finally after she goes through those four white kids she gets to me and she looks at me and she goes who do you belong to (laughs) and i was like I was so confused. I was like, um, me? I don't really get the question. And then the attending was like, all right, let's go to the next room. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? And then finally it hit me. She thought I was a slave. <laughs> she thought I was a slave, man. I swear to God. Hey, like, be fair. You know, there's four white people. She's demented. But it was, in her like, head, it's like... It was amazing, like, the selective dementia of it. Uh. Because apparently... <laughs> when did w- women get their civil rights? She was, like, totally fine yeah. with these with these two two girls, two, two white girls that are, that are supposedly yeah. doctors. And then finally, no she gets problem. to me. So... In the moment, I was, like, confused, but yeah. then afterwards, it was just, like, uncomfortable. Yeah. And uh, I got confirmation from the attending that she that, thought I was a slave, man. That may yeah. or may not have been a racist moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, God bless her heart. That made for a good story, I guess. Yeah, I no, know. that's awful, man. That's awful. Those moments, man, like, you know, you give you give old people a little bit more rope, you know? Yeah. We just roll with yeah, it. Yeah, after, after a certain age, yeah. you know, racist comments from old people. Oh, yeah, no, you, like, you, you're they entitled. They get a pass. You're entitled. They get a pass. Yeah, I agree. Well, that's, uh, at least that was uncomfortable, but with a, a, a laugh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> What's going down, Anchor Town? 
that's a new one by the way it's Reesh, it's medicine remixed and uh this episode has been all over the place as promised but uh in an attempt to take the challenge of tying all of the many themes over the past 24 hours together i mean we talked about everything from decision making in the moment to me being mistaken for a slave by a demented elderly patient during medical school and we even snuck in what trichotillomania means on our doctrinary word of the week it's a disorder where you impulsively pull out your own hair for the ones that missed it so i thought the best way to maybe tie all of this together would be to talk about razor bumps that's right razor bumps for those uh, new to the station, my co-host D and I made an 11-episode podcast back in 2012 in a pre-anchor era, and it was called uh, "Laughs by Prescription," which we play cuts from now and then. And actually, that's where that med school racism story was from, by the way. And later on in that very episode, D responds to a question his boy Tony asked about uh, razor bumps. And he gave him the best advice available at the time for a black man dealing with the very common problem of razor bumps. And about a year after that podcast episode, a young black entrepreneur named Tristan Walker made a decision to start a company designed for black people who dealt with a common problem that was neglected by the market. And that was, of course, the problem of razor bumps. And as riveting as our razor bumps conversation was at the time, five years ago, I never thought it would ever see the light of day again until I recently learned that the razor brand Tristan Walker built for what many investors in Silicon Valley regarded as a bad idea when he was first pitching it. Um, I just learned that it was valued at over a billion dollars, billion with a B, dollars, about two years ago. So on that note, next up, uh, you'll hear a cut from our Razor Bumps podcast uh, back in 2012, followed by a cut from a recent interview of Tristan Walker on Masters of Scale, which is a phenomenal and well-produced podcast hosted by Reed Hoffman, who is the co-founder co-founder of uh, LinkedIn and PayPal, among uh, many other things. Um, and it's it's highly recommended, highly recommend that podcast for anyone interested in entrepreneurship or just a, a good come up story of some of the biggest brands of our time. So uh, yeah, uh, enjoy that and let us know what you think. Keep the call-ins coming. Much love for all of you listening and supporting us. And if you like what you hear on this station, Lace up your share Jordans and uh, help us spread the word. You're listening to Medicine Remixed only on Anchor. So the the question, uh, Tony, Tony wanted to be famous, so he literally said that. Not to put you on blast, but uh, Tony wanted to know about uh, razor bumps. Tony is African American. Black, uh, if you will. He is black, if you will. Uh, coming from a former slave, uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I got cred. <laughs> um, so, Tony, look, the razor bumps are a problem. The uh, nerd name for it is pseudo folliculitis barbae, and definitely not as catchy as razor bumps. Definitely not as catchy as razor bumps. And these things, 
here's what happens. Playing the ethnic card again. It's generally in darker individuals who get these, but that's really because darker individuals tend to have curlier hair, right? So here we go. The fact that you have curlier hair, right, on your face. Here's the interesting thing. Really what's happening is when you shave your face with a razor, there's a certain amount of tugging that goes on. That razor has to catch onto the hair, mm -hmm. dig into it, and then cut it. It's obviously happening very quickly, so you don't feel that. But the problem with that is, is when the razor grabs that hair and pulls, it's kind of yanking at it from the root. So when it finally cuts it, it snaps back inward. So instead of being, you know, level with your face, it's actually back into your skin. And if you have, if you tend to have curlier hair, that hair is going to grow. And because it's back in its little sleeve, yeah. it starts to grow into your skin yeah. and curls up. Eventually your body will break it down. But in the meantime, you get these bumps and they can scar and, you know, uh, become infected and that right. sort of thing. So the question, you know, he had was, he said he's tried everything. He's tried every razor. He's tried every, you know, mom and pop tree oil and whatever the heck right. it is to try to get it to, to get better and he hasn't had any luck so the first thing that i found was the razor that he uses now he said he's tried every razor but here's the problem you know they got like fucking mach 8 blades where like a samurai jumps out and like you know the ginsu 5000 on your face they have, yeah. all, they have all <laughs> these different blades right um the more blades that you have the more chances you're gonna have for these blades to grab hair pull them and then have, shoot them all back into your face really the roots so really i want the mach 1 you want the mach 1 and you want the mach 1 disposable because you only want to use it once because each time you use it, it gets more dull and it has to tug harder on the hair. So it tugs harder and those then those- motherfuckers. Yeah, so <laughs> go figure, right? So you know the shitty ones that nobody ever wants where you see those that pack of blue razors yeah. and you think of your dad and you're like, uh, my dad yeah. would use this shit. Yeah. I'm not gonna use that. So the ones you should be using. So one, the razor. Obviously the alternative to that is just not cut the hair on your face so short. But you know, the edge up and guys like, you know, like to look fresh. If you went to your barber and you could see hair, you'd be mad at him and you wouldn't go back. You know, if you got, a, you know, his fresh lines on, you know, he's got his sideburns lined up, he's got his hairline lined up and what he wants to see is no hair. In order to do that, the barber's gonna get pretty close with the shave, but you know what he's also gonna do is he's gonna shave against the grain, right? Right. Because that's how you get that really good cut, you know? Yep. By going against the grain, you're only amplifying this, this pulling hair and having it shoot back in so going against the grain is the worst thing you could do that's hilarious because growing up my dad used to always tell me go against the oh grain. yeah go against the grain once you get all the big stuff off then you get that nice cut right so that's the price you're gonna pay so going with the grain using a blade that isn't you know a mach 8 another interesting thing is you know in all those western or those old-timey movies where they show the guy at the salon he's got the towel wrapped around his face you know when he's laying on the barber chair right that towel and that hot water that like steam open up your pores. it's softening the hair so the uh. hair doesn't pull what it so when the blade hits it it just cuts right through and there's no tugging mm. so that's what that's for that's what shaving cream is supposed to emulate that fucking towel but we're really? so fucking need to get I need to, I need to move man I need to get out of here quick you fucking wanted some foam you just throw in your hand slap on your face so using a warm towel on your face before you shave for about five minutes to soften up that hair so when you cut it you don't get that tugging and of course not having short hair the length that they recommend is about the length of a grain of rice right so that's a beard and if that's you have sad. a beard you're generally Really going to use like a clipper right like right. a hair clipper so you're not going to be getting close so you're not going to have those bumps yeah so tony you got, you got some options man really change your your grooming habits or become wolfman and just let all it right. all go so tony thanks for the question man i hope that helps that was surprisingly interesting yeah i'm gonna say it shouldn't be right <laughs> um interestingly enough for anybody who's still listening um <laughs> interesting enough and i'll throw this in and i'll stop talking about hair is this is why when people shave their pubic areas because that hair tends to be more kinky as well 
people have to be careful mm -hmm. because there's no better place to grow a fungus or a bacteria than your crotch. So, uh, you know, all I got to say is uh, laser hair removal, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, I guess. Um, <laughs> if, if that's what you're into. Um, so, yeah, so that's that. Quite frankly, I wanted to go out and build ambitious things myself. So Tristan left Foursquare in 2012 after building their business development team from the ground up. He then found the perfect place to plan his next move. Ben Horowitz, a founding partner at the iconic venture capital firm Andreessen Horowitz, invited Tristan just to hang around the office and think big. Ben said, come spend six to nine months with us to figure out what you want to do. I spent all nine months there. I wanted to build a bank. I wanted to fix freight and trucking. I wanted to fix obesity in the country and the world. Then, inspiration struck. I just got frustrated by the shaving experience. A better shaving experience may not sound like the idea on the scale of freight trucking, obesity, or banking, but the most scalable ideas don't have to tackle dramatic problems. They have to tackle neglected problems. And the more that Tristan looked into the history of shaving, the more he realized there was a hugely overlooked demographic, men with coarse or curly facial hair who had been living with the curse of razor burns and razor bumps for so long they no longer even recognized it was a problem. Let's just get a handle on this coarse or curly hair dilemma, which I'll admit is outside my particular area of expertise. Are you fed up with razor burn? For decades, razor manufacturers have promised a better shaving experience. They identify the same problems. Are you sick of nicks, cuts, and unsightly razor bumps? And offer essentially the same solution. More blades in every cartridge. Not one, not two, but three blades. A lot more blades. That's right, five blades to whisk away those stubborn whiskers. And this ever-growing stack of blades did actually improve the shaving experience for a lot of men. We tested our six-blade razor on 1,200 men. Two out of three reported a smoother, cleaner shaving experience. But it mostly worked for white guys like me, white guys with straight hair. But the rest of the population, and especially African-American men, were experiencing a multi-bladed assault on their skin. Their shaving experience got worse. And this went on for generations, until a dive into history opened Tristan's eyes to a problem that no one else could see. They reached out to an old retired um, executive from a CPG company. He said, Tristan, look at photos of black men 100, 120 years ago. None of them had razor bumps or shaving irritation on their faces. I thought he was being facetious. So I said, I have time at Andreessen Horowitz. Let me just look it up. And I went to Flickr, and I'd entered these generic search terms like Harlem Renaissance, black men in the 1920s, that sort of thing. I went through 1,200 photos. and then find one with like a non-cleanly shaven face. And it had to do with, you know, the tools they used. In 1904, this whole industry was built. A gentleman named King Gillette. He had this amazing idea. He said, for hundreds of years, Barbers have been using this thing called the straight razor to great efficacy. It cuts the hair level with the skin, not beneath. But using a straight razor yourself at home is pretty hard to use if you're not trained. So he had this idea. He said, what if you can take a single blade, house it within a safe head, attach a handle to it, take it home with you, and shave? And that started the mass market shaving industry as we know it. Fast forward 20 years later, they lose the patent. And many would argue uh, that the only reason we have two, three, four, five, six blade razors today is purely due to patent protection, but it actually has less efficacy. And if you travel internationally, single blade is more popular than multi. His solution? He re-engineered the single blade razor, specifically for coarse or curly hair. He called it the bevel, and it became the flagship product for Walker & Company, and the first step in his grand plan. He envisioned a health and beauty company on par with global brands like Procter & Gamble. 
mean, a lot of people say that they're trying to build the Procter & Gamble for people of color. Let me talk about this for a second because it's really funny. Number one, I've never said that. And then two, I think folks talk about it as if it's a niche kind of thing, but people of color are the majority of the world. So if we're the Procter & Gamble for people of color, what the hell is Procter & Gamble? But when you're pitching a room of mostly white, mostly male investors, it can be hard to convey the urgency of this market oversight. This is the key. You have to pay attention to the quality, not the quantity of rejections. You want to see at least a teeny minority of investors squirm you don't have to get them to a yes, but you should detect some friction as they reason their way to a no. I had a slide in there where I talked about proactive, the acne system, kind of a good analogy to what we're trying to do. You know, it's the difference between kind of Gillette and Bevel as like Neutrogena and proactive. It's a system, it solves a very important issue. And this VC looked at me, said, Tristan, I'm not sure issues related to razor bumps, shaving irritation are as profound and big an issue for people as acne. At which point I said, you know, I kind of understand what you're saying, but all you had to do was get on the phone with 10 black men and eight of them would have said, this is a permanent thing I have to deal with. Just get on the phone with 10 white men and four of them would have said the same thing. So it wasn't that it was like a bad idea or not as important. It was just that that person was unwilling to acquire the context necessary to understand what we're working on. That's just laziness. And at that point, I can't fix that. So I just got to move on until I find somebody who understood it. What up? This is Dr. Odom. Keep the show rocking. Keep keeping it real. Keep keeping on. We love it. Yeah, we do.